All right, uh, here we are, and it's the third episode. We've, we've survived. We're on through week three. <laughs> Could you believe that? <laughs> and we've got a new banner. Look. <laughs> I thought we didn't stand out enough, so let's stand out even more. <laughs> I could have done orange or something like that as well, but hey-ho, um, we'll get there in the end, and, uh, and, and we'll just, you know, we'll... We'll see how it goes. We'll just talk about uh, talk amongst ourselves to build up an audience, <laughs> as they say. So, what's happening uh, in the news? Um, let's talk about news. Um, I'm going to share a couple of things actually. Uh, James, what about you? What, what what are you finding in the news? So this week, obviously, well, not this week, but last towards the tail end of last week, and I think it was an evening session of yep. the Scottish Parliament. They passed the. Uh, they passed a controversial uh, serviced accommodation Airbnb bill, yeah, uh, which may have a big impact on people that own and let short term lets in the East Nuke and yep. also St Andrews because that's obviously okay. where the pressure points are. Uh, it's not overly clear yet because each local authority is getting their own uh, way of introducing that, so it's not uniform right across the board. I, I, I can't see it happening. I think I think again, it's like they've had the powers before anyway, and they've always had it in some shape or form. The community councils were able to do this for the last yeah. three or four years, and they've still never done anything about service accommodation. So, so the, and you know why? Because the reality is, there's a difference. There's a difference between second homeowners, right? There's landlords like ourselves who mainstream residential renting all the time. There's student lets. Mainstream residential renting, when you think about it, mm-hmm. there's serviced accommodation, which is actually holiday lets, which creates loads and loads of tourism and loads and loads of jobs, which filled all the because they're filled all the time. And Absolutely. then there's people that just actually have a house and it sits there for the whole year and only visit it twice a year. Yeah, and I think and, to a certain extent, and that's the that's the people they're trying to get. I, I think the narrative that the Edinburgh City Council they've been uh, big proponents of pushing this forward. Because, yeah. uh, well, the story from them is that there's a lot of antisocial mm. behaviour, particularly in tenement-type style flats. Yeah. Right, that's fine, but not everybody lives in tenement-style flats. You know, people are living in rural areas that people want to go for a bit of scenery or uh, walks and that sort of thing. So, again, of course, it's, 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 it's landlord registration all over again. Eh? It's like, yeah, you know, is. do you know what I saw the other day? Um, I actually got an email, and remember I said about the email about um, I got from a government body. Um, yeah. About the two and a half million landlords in the whole of the UK, and the, to get the problematic landlords, it turns out when I did the percentage of what the government thinks is the problematic landlords, it's actually zero point four two percent of the landlord population. Yeah, and that's government figures. Zero point what is it four two percent of the landlord population is 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 a problem apparently, and that's that's amazing. Eh? And it is literally a sledgehammer to crack enough. It comes as no surprise because they also, uh, again, the government, they're looking to ta- crack down on benefit cheats and fraud. And uh, yeah. it's historically proven that 0.5% uh, make up fraud. The rest is human error. And as you know, the government have just written off £4 billion worth of bounce back loans. So Crazy. how does that figure? <laughs> Absolutely mental. So we've got short-term lets. I had an interesting article that came through, and I'll see if I could find it um, about. Um, let's share this screen, actually, so people can see. Give us a thumbs up if you're here. Um, uh, 
Good evening, George. Thanks for joining us. Yep, he's definitely got the idea of the thumbs up. It's interaction time, guys. We don't know what's going on and we don't know if we're going in the right direction for you and for your benefit unless you give us a thumbs up. If you're not sure about something or you're here for the first time, give us a smiley face instead. Um, good evening, Susan. How are you as well? Um, okay. Um, and anybody else out there, just give us a thumbs up. Let us, let us know you're there. <laughs> is, is anybody out there? <laughs> It's like it's like one of these. Uh, I don't care. It's like one of these films or something like that. Eh? Anyway, I'm going to share this. Uh, I'll finally get around to it. I talk too much. Um, let's share this. Can you see that? All right. Just coming through. Yep. That's an interesting one. Eh. No surprise. Investors turned away from property and the pensions. <laughs> I says. Uh, really. <laughs> um. I think. I think somebody's trying to drum up business for uh, the pension industry. What do you think? Does it have that classic line in it, Jim, that an unknown spokesman from some pension provider has stated such and such? Property is <laughs> often looked at the cornerstone of long-term passive investments and trusted by many investors to keep the funds ahead of inflation. However, home ownership starts to decline in younger generations and the tables could be turning in favour of pension investments instead. I, I, I could... What's that, a smell? <laughs> yeah, well... <laughs> I think pensions at the moment have kind of went the same way as Bitcoin. It's currently sitting in the toilet, uh, to be fair, because, yep. uh, well, we, we kind of brushed this on Saturday that uh, a, lot of pension, uh, a lot of pensions are tied up in things like property, particularly commercial property like uh, offices. Yeah. And when those aren't getting occupied, they aren't stimulating local economies, then you get a, a sort of dip in your pension valuation. So, yeah, mine's yep. has dipped quite a bit. But uh, Saying that, though, Talking about pensions, I've just done that right now because the tax year ends coming up soon. So a nice top tip in terms of wealth creation, if you're a higher rate taxpayer and you've got a personal pension, get your accountant to work out how much you need to put in to your pension to bring you back down to a basic rate ta taxpayer. So in other words, you're getting tax relief. Um, so tell them to work out how much you've done how you need to how much you need to put in if you continue to get paid up to the same amount up to the end of the tax year uh, in order to bring you back down to the to the basic rate it's perfectly legal to do it it's a nice tax deduction and it's also a good tax deduction at the higher rate for putting into your pension uh, you know i kind of decry you're getting 20% back straight away aren't you uh, onto uh, your onto your value I, I mean it is a good way of creating wealth and i've um, talked about this in the past for me personally, I'm in UK equities, so I'm, I, you know, my pension's always been in UK equities because it, it is another rule, it is another string to your bow. If that makes sense, you know, you don't, you don't plow everything into property. Although, you know, to be honest, <laughs> it does, it does make a hell of a return. But you also have to put stuff away for a rainy day, just in case. And I'm at that age now, fifty-five, just turned last month, and I'm now at the point of able to retire. I actually wrote them an email and said. Can I retire now and take my pension? They went, absolutely. I went, really? Wow. So that's something I could just put on the back burner and think to myself, I've got that sitting there just in case. Um, I'm going to say a couple of hellos here. Uh, hi, Deborah. Thanks for giving us a thumbs up. Hi, Alan. Uh, hi, Heather. And uh, Alan, yes, thanks for giving us a thumbs up after saying that you're here. Um, brilliant. That's absolutely superb. If anybody else is there, um, if you are a first time, Yes, Susan, I think you're first time as well. If you're first time, just give us a quick smiley face if you're a first time person, just so we know that we need to go a bit slower in the whole process. Because we have been talking the last couple of weeks about certain things 
um, and it's just to make sure we're still on the same track for everyone else. Uh, well, the other one... Some, well, we're still on the subject of pensions, Jim, but I don't know if uh, your viewers uh, will be aware. But for, pers- uh, for private pensions, uh, the, the age is increasing. Uh, I think it's April this year. It's going up to 57. So the 55 option is going to be no longer after April. Yep. Uh, that's one that's one to watch out for as well. And actually, as well, if you're a property investor, you better get your tax return in for the end of the end of last tax year. So if you've been a property investor up to the March the 31st, um, 2021, uh, you need to get your tax return in by 31st of January. Um, and I just had someone contact me tonight and actually say that. It says, well, am I meant to put a tax return in? And that's why I thought I'd mention it. Um, so you need to get quick. Uh, best advice is probably just go straight to an accountant. Yeah. Give them your P60s because usually it's just investment income outside of your normal day-to-day job. Yeah. Give them your P60. Uh, then tell them, this is my income. This is my outgoings for my property business. Um, and that's it. Let them calculate your tax, put the return in for you. So you also have to declare things like benefits as well. So child benefit. I don't know if you're aware, but there's a taper. So if you earn above 50,000 a year, at the higher rate, it starts to gradually decline, it reduce. So you have to take that. Any pension contributions you made in the tax year as well, like you were saying at the start of the show, yeah, uh, get those in. And I think there's other smaller bits and pieces that you can actually just lump in together. There. Yeah, they're counted. And the classic example as well, um, coming up to the end of the tax year, if you, you can pay yourself £2,000 in dividends tax-free, from your from a limited from your limited company, so that's tax free two thousand pound dividends. So it's, a, then, it's another just easy option to have a bit of tax free. Uh, yes, Ewan, how are you? And David's here as well. You um, then hit the seven point five percent bracket, but that's going to increase again in April as well to eight point. Is it eight point seven five? Eight point two five because of the social care funding regime. It's interesting, and I saw this the other day as well. This is a, a top tip about wealth creation and all the rest of it. Um, they're talking about national insurance going up. Um, what is it? Um, your insurance, employers or your insurance is going up how much? 1.25%. Aye, but it's not really 1.25% at all. It's, it's 10%, not, aye, it's it's 10% like, or something. It's 10%, <laughs> aye. Because it's so, 10% of what was originally you were paying. So it's only going up 1.25%, but it's actually 10% of what you were paying in the first place. Yeah, that's the so, base level, but it's actually 10%, as you, as you quite rightly say. So you've get, you're getting nailed always, and this is why shows like this are important, to, in order to create wealth and actually show you other ways of mitigating um, taxation. You know, that's really what it comes down to as well. You know, if you can mitigate your tax position, then, then by all means, do it. Um, there's not a tax on wealth, remember. There's a tax on income. Wealth is assets that you hold, Income is the money it's generated from these assets, and mm-hmm. that's what's taxed. Then wealth isn't taxed. So if you don't realise any of the assets, you're no taxed on them, really. It's the okay. same as crystallising a pension. Similar sort of idea. Yeah, same similar thing. Um, the other one as well is top 10. I saw this in, the, in here as well. I'll share that. It's the top, what is it, the top 10 destinations this week? If anybody else has got some good articles, then by all means, uh, Please feel free to share them uh, and tell us about them. Send us a wee email or put them on your put them on the on your comments as well because we'll see them from there. I'm just going to quickly show this one. Um, this is the. Can you see that? Okay. Yeah. Cities with which will be investment hotspots of 2022. See what see what you think here. 
Birmingham. Mm, not really sure. Housing market expanding at such a rapid pace, it's currently unable to keep up with demand over the next three years. I think that's the story everywhere, though, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So I can't see, I, I don't think it's necessarily uh, there for Birmingham. Advantage uh, can offer attractive investments in the heart of Birmingham, starting from <laughs> starting from two, 219,000. <laughs> 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 Listen, it's a high price point, okay? But you've got to remember, for everybody out there, uh, you've got to look at the rent return. If the numbers stack up and you're getting two thousand pound in rent a month for that type of for that type of property, then you know by all means at that level that might actually work out perfectly well to invest in the Birmingham area and then work out your occupancy rate from that as well. So if your occupancy rate is high and your rent is that every single month, then you're kind of on a winner if you're in, if you've got the interest rates things uh, down to a fixed rate maybe. So you know what you're paying, you know what you're getting, and 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 the process. We'll talk about that in in weeks yeah. to come. Manchester's uh -huh. the next area. Liverpool. Here's Scotland. Um, Manchester, um, Scotland, yep. Yep. I, uh, what is it? Fife is the hot spot. No. <laughs> no. The hottest property investment tend to be seen the following pandemic is luxury holiday accommodation. I don't necessarily think that's the case. No, that's what, that's what um, I don't think. Uh, you know, it's the it's the good bar. It's the good. It's the good regular um uh rock steady investments isn't it it's the it's the it's the ones that churn out money all the time you know it's so, not the it's not the it's not the holiday lets for me anyway um, so I, I like so my personal view is that uh some of the bigger cities down south uh they're quite expensive to buy property the rents are rel relatively good and they get the capital appreciation but hot spots for uh private investors like myself from new gym uh, yeah. northeast northwest and much of scotland because it's a lower entry price point but the rents are relatively strong yeah ah here it is here, this is what it's all about see it scotland we're identifying the opportunity of holiday investments found in the perfect location of the resorts called and it's got a link to them so this is this is the whole article this is what it's about really it's not about the investment hotspots around the world around uh, britain it's about this development this is what Speaking the article is all about Right. Sticking in a sneaky little wink. Yeah, I've listened. I've, you see it all the time. Eh? I used to get contacted all the time saying, "Is there anything you want to advertise? Or is there anything you want?" And we'll do an article round it, and we'll just we'll just put it in, and it'll, it'll drive people to your traffic. That's that's typical. I, I remember when uh, Ryanair opened up for the first time, or was it Jet Two? Opened up going to Portugal for, to Faro um, from yep. Edinburgh, and uh, and I was asked to appear in there as because I had a place in Spain. And it was just along the road from Faro. Um, so you, you flew into Faro, and, and I was asked to appear as a, a middle uh, a spread in the newspaper. And it was because I owned a place there, plus the fact I was a resale agent for uh, the second biggest house builder in Spain at that time. Um, mm -hmm. So I was doing that, and that's how they ended up putting me in the paper. But it was all about Jet 2. You know, it was it was about you could have a place, in, and Jim loved it so much, he ended up selling the, you know, the places. Uh, and I yeah. did for that reason because I knew it well. Um, but the article was really about Jet Two, and <laughs> and that's all it was. Um, it was nothing else other than that. Um, so it was, it was interesting to see how it, ah, it was interesting to see how that worked in that whole process. The underlying principle of that. Um, so that's me in terms of articles and um, you so got another anything, thing. Another thing, thing news, another thing in the news this week was uh, Edinburgh Live. So Edinburgh Live is a newspaper locally in Edinburgh, but this might reflect widely on Scotland local authorities in general. So 
we know that empty homes has been a problem for some time, so they've tried to bring in various legislation to to counter that. So the two hundred percent council tax rate, for example, if your house has been lying empty, um, these houses could probably be used for families and so on. So the Edinburgh City Council appointed a, a empty homes officer, mm-hmm. and in the last two years, they've been approaching developers left, right, and centre to try and bring back homes into general use. Nobody's taken them up on it. But what they've actually done is totally ignored the, the smaller investor like ourselves yeah. uh, in preference to big developers and had no uptake. So if that's replicated through a lot of local authorities within Scotland, then you can imagine that this is a problem that's not going away anytime soon. Uh, and yeah, it's, again, it's back to the power of the developer against the, the, the smaller investor. Yeah, all over again, eh? Yeah. Okay, so that's us covered kind of the news. Let's talk about then. Let's go into the finance options. This is you know this is this is what we're here to talk about at the end of the day. You know, um, if ever is if everybody wants to hear about finance options, just give us a big thumbs up and, and we'll crack on with that. Um, if you've got any other questions or anything to say, then please feel free to mention it in the comments right now. Otherwise, we'll get on with the main event. Um. Okay. Just waiting on stuff coming through. Great stuff. I've got a thumbs up. Okay, finance. So you did a wow. Show me, show me the money. <laughs> There's my finance options. Well, well done. There's yours. <laughs> you can, hey, you can get, come prepared. You got a B plus. Brilliant. Uh, absolutely fantastic. <laughs> so, what is the? You know, how can we find? How can we finance a property purchase? I mean, at the end of the day, it's a numbers game, isn't it? Getting it wrong could lock you into a contract. It really starts to, starts to cost you money. Yeah. Um, so what we're teaching people here is how to source the best finance options and for the type of property you buy, which means better terms, better rates, more flexibility, higher margins, and sometimes infinite returns. That's what we're after at the end of the day. Yeah? What we're striving um, for. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so what is the first thing that you would think about finance options? Everybody thinks about mortgage, don't they? Absolutely. Straight in there with a the mortgage, obviously, for the buy-to-let market, uh, in order to satisfy the, the mortgage providers, they want you to have some skin in the game. So slightly differently to residential mortgage, where you might only have to put 5 or 10% in, we have typically to put in 25 or potentially 20%, but you pay a higher interest rate for those. Um, yeah, in a straight mortgage, you just go through a, a broker, they do the whole fact find. They don't base it on your salary because if it's rental income, then they'll base the rental income against the, the mortgage repayments. So as long as it's within, uh, some providers are 125%, some are 145% of the rent. Yep. Uh, has to sat- it's available for it satisfying the mortgage. Yeah. Can we, can we, will we talk about one of the lenders then? I mean, the most popular one is obviously the Mortgage Works, isn't it? That's pretty much the one I use mainly. And yep. another one, the other one is Birmingham Midshires. So Birmingham yeah. Midshires, Mortgage Works is owned by the Nationwide, Birmingham Midshires is owned by Lloyds, um, and they're two huge buy-to-let lenders. So I'll quickly, we'll jump onto the Mortgage Works. Now, you can actually, as a, as as uh, as an investor or new introduction to this. Now, you won't be able to get this direct, um, but you can check the products first before you start on your journey 
to give you an idea about what the prices are in terms of mortgages. Can you see that okay, James? I kind of did. Yeah. So what you do is you just jump on the mortgage works uh, and you look at the product finder and it gives you all the different amounts. So buy to let, let to buy, house and multiple occupation, large portfolio lender, buy to let, let to buy, HMO, um, limited company, um, buy to let and limited company HMO. Now, for me personally, and I think for you as well, we're a limited company now, aren't we? We are, yep. I've got a couple more name, but primarily we're a limited company. Yeah. So let's let's just search by client type. Um, and, and anyway, this is just to show everybody how to do this. Uh, you can just tick all the boxes, to be honest. Uh, get everything with fees, without fees, and you can compare for yourself. Um, we'll just show you. I, I mean, I could be here forever. I could be here for a long, whole hour talking about this, just this one subject. Um, yeah. But we've got other subjects to talk about. But this will show you initially, and you can look at your own leisure of what you can get. So there's a classic example, limited, fixed for two years at 2.49%. And it's a 75% loan to value. It does have a £2,000 uh, arrangement fee with the lender, remember. That typically, is, is that typically added on to the, the, the lender, isn't it? You can add that on to the, to the yeah. sum borrowed. Yeah. Now, a rule of thumb is by the time you work out the 0.1%, differential to get a thousand pound off for the next level up it, it for me personally it always makes it always makes sense to do the 995 one yeah um because you're working out two years at the extra and you're paying a thousand pound extra there but you're only paying 0.1 percent of the loan here and when we're buying it for, say for example a hundred thousand pound you're only talking about what another hundred quid for the whole year yep. so another hundred quid for the whole year and you've got a thousand pound discount so it makes sense to go for that middle one there so there's yep. lots and lots of lenders here. So typically, um, you're 3.19 as well. You're 3.74 for five years at 8% loan to value. Wow, they're doing that now. And there's okay. another thing that you might not be aware of with the mortgage works is they offer free standard uh, legals. Yeah. So it's not like you have to pay a fortune on legals either, unless yeah. you've got a more complex case. But generally speaking, yeah. And then I'll do I'll do sole trader. I'll do in, in your own name. So you've not got a limited company. So buy to let. And you can see, look at these lending rates. For a minute, look at that, 1.14%. Two years fixed, a 2% fee, 75% loan to value. So you can see that's half the price. And that's the and, cheapest one you'll get. And and that's factored in, isn't it? That's factored in the fact that, um, that's all factored in the fact that your, your, um, your lending um, is already into the increase in interest rates. Yes. Yeah, so that's the great I That's the, the the good thing for that as well. It's all um, stress tested as well, Jim. So mortgage is probably your most traditional route to market for buy to let lending. Uh, you can also cash buy. Is there any benefits to cash buy? Well, you being an estate agent, uh, you'll know that occasionally you can jump to the head of the queue if you're yeah. in a position to proceed quite quickly. So you can maybe get a bit of a discount or a uh, you know, if you see a house that's 100,000 and you go in and say, look, I've got 98,000 cash or 95,000 cash, there's a good chance that you can secure that property because an estate agent's worst fear is a chain collapsing. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't know what the stats are. You'll, you'll be more familiar with the stats, but uh, there's a significant volume of properties do end yeah. up with a collapsed chain. Just a note again for everybody that's uh, watching. Remember, keep a pen paper and and take notes um you know you it doesn't matter what you say 
if you, then oh, I'll just watch the show later on. Then you have to watch it all over again. I mean, you know, you might want to keep watching us. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> you might want to keep listening to us, but the reality is, get a pen and paper handy because you never know what's going to be said. And you kind of think, I wish I'd. Oh, what did you say again? You've not got a chance to say that because you're not talking to us direct. Um, so cash buy. Um, I like the cash buy option in the beginning because it allows you to buy, and you're right, you go to the front of the queue for that reason when a stage, and more than likely. You also go to the front of the queue for people that are actually selling off-market. In other words, they're doing private sales um, when you source, and mm -hmm. that's what cash buy lets you into that straight away because it's an easy exit for someone to get through. Um, once you've got that, it's a straightforward case of then you can do the refurb if you know you can add value, and then that's when you've got an opportunity to more or less manipulate the surveyor at the end. You know, in the six months times yeah. where it where it's done that, and and there's a way to do that to influence a surveyor to get the valuation that you want. Um, but we'll talk about that more in a deep dive process. And even your first property, once you refinance, you basically generate you've, you've got yourself a money printing machine because you just keep doing that same process. Keep doing the same thing over and over again, and it's only the frustrating thing is time, is yeah. time and the number of units you can buy. Are, are the, only, the only two factors that, that, that are, are the challenge. Uh, that's really what comes to it. But then I like calling it deals because we're not like anybody else. <laughs> the deals, I, I still think the deals thing sounds almost like the Dell Boys sort of approach. Um, yeah. And everybody else talks about that. So I tend to talk about units in terms of what I do um, because I, I, it's, it's, it's different to what everybody else does. Um, probably fundamentally at its core and its source. Um, so definitely cash buys are good because they allow you to get that and they allow you to add even more value at the end to get that return that you're after. Um, but you're going to talk about refinancing, aren't you, yes. to get that? Because then that puts you in a cash buy in a cash buy position, doesn't it? Uh, well, it certainly could do. And there's umpteen other strategies as well that can also put you in that cash buy position. Uh, but we'll yeah. get on to those slightly later. Um, yep, so once your refurb's complete, obviously you get your value back out now. This is a quite a sort of controversial topic because some mortgage uh, companies will allow you to refinance basically day one. Uh, some will allow you to refinance within sort of just after six months. And for those that don't, you can actually ask for additional borrowing. Now, the additional borrowing goes alongside your mortgage. Yeah. Uh, for the difference between the uplift and the property. So you can get your money out that way and you don't have to wait the six months or whatever. Uh, like I say, it's a loan that runs alongside your mortgage, and then when your mortgage deal comes to an end, then shift both products onto another mainstream product, mm -hmm. uh, and that's it. You've refinanced it all back out. You then take that money and plow it into the next project and do exactly the same again. Yeah. I, I, so, when you t are you talking about refinancing your own home then? Or are you talking about just. No, no, um, that's specific. Existing properties you've got, haven't you? This is specific uh, to your portfolio. Right, and I'm and I'm doing that right now. So I'm refinancing to to allow me to be in a position to buy another thirty three houses. And um, so that's how I'm refinancing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> a slightly different level of financing. That's why I can't do traditional buy to let lending anymore. I just have to go to corporate banks now. Because right. um, you get you get to a stage where buy to let lenders you kind of tick boxes for them anymore because it's you're too big in terms of your portfolio size. So they just they just didn't want to to entertain you. Um, it is literally the computer says no. So I'm actually going to corporate lenders now, and they're happy to do that deal. And they're actually happy to do it. Deals actually better than what the interest rates. We talked about limited companies just now. 
Um, so you can get better interest rates with them and actually better uh, better positions in terms of what you're doing. Uh, so refinancing your own home is a good option, isn't it, if you want? Refinancing your own home is an excellent option, particularly now because uh, for people that don't uh, regularly check the value of their property, you'll likely find that this went up a significant amount in the last 18 months. Yeah. And uh, you might actually have a lot more equity in your property than you actually realise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what can you do with that equity? Well, you, you go back to basics and you, you, you release some of that equity in order to plow into your, your next investment property. Well, no matter where you are in Scotland, uh, I did it uh, a couple of days ago, if not just last week, I did the update for the whole of Scotland and you were the whole of Scotland are going up in property price on average around about uh, ten or twelve percent. Fife itself has gone up fourteen point eight percent. So, I've been, so I've if, been you've house, house, if you've had your house a year, you've added on fifteen percent almost. Well, I've had my house three years, and the last valuation it had when we remortgaged reckons that uh, it's increased by seventy. Mm-hmm. I think it was seventy four and a half thousand. Yeah. But what can you do with seventy four and a half thousand? Well, that potentially could buy you either three properties or three. two that require refurb. Yeah. Three, definitely three. Um, that's what I would do. Two by refurb, then you would be able to add a lot of value, wouldn't you? So I, I, I kind of think my my strategy would be buy the two refurbs, add the significant amount of value, and you probably get more money back out if, if the numbers work. Remember, mm-hmm. it's if the numbers work. This Absolutely. isn't a model you follow every time unless the numbers work. That's important. Does everybody follow me about that? You know, just give me a thumbs up if you follow what I'm talking about. Um, it's 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 and 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 if you give my thumbs up and follow what we're talking about, fantastic. If you don't understand to a degree, I'll explain a wee bit more about how that's done, um, in a wee bit more detail. If you just give my smiley face instead, and I'm going to give you a shameless plug here in a moment, Jim. So in yeah. order to find out what the value of your property is, so ideally you're looking at properties of a summer style within uh, a mile of where you are at the moment, and sold over the last six months. Now, you can get that from Rightmove or Zoopla, but you can mm-hmm. also use a little tool and five properties for the instant valuation. So that instant valuation tool is pretty good, eh? So there's it's my shameless good. plug. It, it's <laughs> cracking, isn't it? Um, so, Heather's a bit a bit not sure. Okay, so, Heather, well, let's just cover this again. So, basically, what we're saying is your house, uh, instead of buying, your house goes up maybe uh, 70,000, as James says. Take that as a classic example. Now, we could buy three traditional buy-to-lets with no value added at all. They're ready to go, more or less. They've only got a bit to do for it. Um, so we could buy three of them because we've got 25000 each for them. And yep. typically, you're 75% loan to value. So if you're putting 25% down, then 25000 is going to cover that 25% down because you're literally having to buy something at 100000 to put 25% down, which is 25000 if that makes sense. Um, yeah. Maybe I should just uh, share my spreadsheet and just quickly. Hi. <laughs> um, let's look and see if we've got return on investment revised. Um, let's uh, jump onto here. Um, share my spreadsheet. Um, a couple of people were with us. Um, a couple of people are not. Alan, uh, just a quick one. I think you'd asked about property sourcing. We did that actually on last week's show. Um, so if you watched last week's show, episode two, we talk about property sourcing itself uh, in a wee bit more detail. Can you see that? Okay, James. I can see it. Okay, so let's look at We've got the 75,000 in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, that's the 75,000 we've got from your house. Okay, now we could buy three units because we've got 75,000 cash. So if we, we put three and then we can they could, we could put that as zero the now and we take the 75,000 and put it as deposits. 
But we've yep. got three remainder, so we can get twenty-five. Um, sorry, twenty-five thousand for each deposit. Twenty-five percent there, um, and we are getting twenty-five thousand at each deposit. You'll get three houses at hundred thousand for that. See that? There's a seventy-five grand there. Yep. So there's a seventy-five thousand there. Can you see that? Okay, James. I can see it. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. So there's the hundred thousand. There's the three units buying at hundred thousand. We can get seventy-five thousand. But remember, you've only got seventy-five thousand, and you've still got to pay. You know, stamp due in each one, so it's four thousand. So in essence, you've only really got um, about what twenty one thousand each. But then you've right. got legals down here as well of a thousand pound on each property, more than likely. If you've not got anything else to do, and any refurbs or any light refurbs, then that's what you're in. So you're probably only about twenty thousand in on each one because you've got to keep five thousand aside for stamp duty and legals. And it's absolutely possible. So if, you, if you're down at 20,000, then you can only probably do 80,000 for each one because that brings you down to three at 20,000 there. So see over here, I've got it down there. I've got the 70,000 there uh, all in from over here. I think I've got to put that up to three, by the way. One, two, three. I think this is an old model. And so that brings you around to 72,600 uh, in here. So that's about the 75,000 all in down in this bottom right-hand corner. Yeah. But that allows you to buy three at 80,000 ready to go. Now, if your interest rate there is, I think, with source 3%. I think it's other region, is it not? Not three at 70,000. Um, three at 70,000. 70,000, I think, if you want to include all your fees and stuff. Yeah, well, we've got 60,000 in there, but remember, I've got all my fees down here. 72,600. Oh, right. right. That includes the legal fees and includes the stamp duty as well. Right. So the stamp duty is on there plus the legal fees. So I've got that. So we're fine at eighty thousand, um, because yeah. remember it's twenty thousand. So um, twenty five percent of that is is basically twenty grand each. So we're sixty grand in. We're three percent interest rate. Arrangement fee. We'll just say one percent of the loan. Um, and then your rent. How much would your rent be for each of these? Probably around about five hundred. So I'm achieving five fifty and most of mine at the moment. Yeah, we'll, we'll be conservative and say five hundred. Yep. Um, so we're five hundred. So with the three, you've got a thousand, you've got seven five seven point five, you've got twenty-one now seven point five gross yield, you've got a twenty-one percent mortgage. So you can leverage it up with the bank's money. So what we've done now is we've taken the deposit here and actually divided it by the total income up here in yeah. every month, the twelve thousand. Okay. So that's why that's sitting at twenty-one rather than cash, which is seven point five. Now, we assume 30%. So we've leveraged ourselves. We've got a differential in leverage of 13% there between the mm -hmm. 21 and the 7. Um, and then we've put, we assume 30% for overheads. That's just incidentals, all the rest of it. If you save money on that in the 30%, then fair enough. But we're assuming you're not wanting to manage it at all. You're out with 7,000, but you've still got 72 grand in. Now, what you're talking about is you're talking about actually uh, buying um, maybe properties at what, 60? Right about sort of 60, 65. You're buying here at 60, um, and then you're actually buying them in here, but then you're going to you're gonna remortgage them later on, aren't you? After after I've done a refurb, depends upon you So you're taking the money from here, so you've got 70, 55 in here, so you've got 20,000 left to, to actually work on these three properties, haven't you? Absolutely, yep. And how much value do you think you would add into them then? Uh, it really depends on the level of refurb that you're doing. So you, think you could get it to about 80 again? Easily, yeah. So 80 on each Easily. one. So basically, if you do 80 on each one, you're talking about another 60 grand on there, which is essentially what you've just got in. Well, on one, on one property alone, I bought it for 60. 
yeah. two bedroom property, but it was revalued. It revalued at one hundred and fifteen, and that was with a fourteen thousand pound spend. Yeah. So if, if you're putting that twenty thousand in there, um, in in the refurb, then it, it probably will leverage it up. But really, the reality is, um, you've still got this in. But then your your remortgage could be a lot higher because when in six months' time, when it passes, the property's added a lot more value because you've actually had a lot more value through through the increase in in refurbing. Mm -hmm. it, it's it's a it's a bit it's a bit complicated. Um, in terms of how we're doing it, but if anybody wants more information on that, we can we can talk about that off air, um, because it is a bit it is a bit complicated in here, um, in terms of doing that. But what the 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 evidence here is, you buy two, which you can add value to with the same amount of money, but because you can add more significant value with the two that you've bought. You you can remortgage at the end for a higher value and get every single money every single penny of the money back out. So you so you've not actually got the seventy five thousand in anymore. You've actually got it back out. So therefore, you're able to do the same again, and you actually have two outright, which you've got no money in on, actually earning money for you. Mm -hmm. That makes getting, that makes crystal clear sense to me. <laughs> I'm gaining in value all the time. Yeah, you know. And, and, and I appreciate it in value. This is where people don't realize. It's like, you know, uh, the reality is this is where the this is where the value's added. If I've still got that in there. I've no I've no got it in there now. Um, yes, it's here. It's here. I'm gonna I'm gonna show it up again. This is where this is where you add the value in terms of this, um, in terms of this spreadsheet. You see that spreadsheet again? I do know, yep. Yeah, okay. It's not what you're getting here really. Because that's okay, but you can reinvest the net profit every time. But what you're after, what you're after in medium to long term investment is the the value of the whole portfolio. Because what's happening here is you've only got fifty five grand in, but over the next ten to fifteen years, the total purchase price was one hundred eighty thousand, and if that doubles in value, you've made one hundred eighty thousand just with actually earning this money every year as well. So this is actually going up. So you're making money on the bank's money. You're making an income on the bank's money, but you're creating wealth on the bank's money as well. That's why your leverage position here is 31% in this scenario. Because you're yes. making money on the bank's money with your minimal amount of money in. So that's what leveraging your position is all about in terms of buy to let. Hopefully that made sense to everybody. Give us a thumbs up if it does. If it's a smiley face, then we'll maybe do something later on at another time. I try to teach my daughter this with a whiteboard, Jim, and she couldn't fathom it either. I know. But, uh, hey, repetition is the mother of all skill. That's really what it comes down to, isn't it? We're happy to kind of work through it anyway in, in more detail. So uh, uh, give us a thumbs up if you're on track with us. Yep, Deborah's on track with us. She knows what we're talking about. Uh, so refinancing your home is a good one to do it, uh, to get mm -hmm. money out in order to do that. As long as the finance is cheap and it's and it's... And it's and it's a good rate. That's what it comes down to. And it's fixed as well, and it's assured. And so the reality is, it's, it's what I say to most people. It's you're taking the money and actually putting it in another property. So how on earth are you going to lose? So let me ask a question. Yep. It's now the right time to get the property. Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> and if the answer is no out there, please tell me because I'm buying. <laughs> so if anybody's out there watching this and they're selling, contact me direct or contact James direct because we're buying, definitely.
Um, so it's like the stock market where you're standing there and folk are going, sell, 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 and you've got, no, buy, 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 buy. <laughs> um, I often feel like I'm on trading places. <laughs> um, so we've got refinancing your home. You could do lots of research to do that. Um, what's, what about bridging loans? So bridging, bridging's a similar project product to mortgages. However, the, the way it kind of works is slightly different. So yep. bridging is specifically aimed at those that require short-term borrowing. So if you see a property, it might be a bit dilapidated, needs a bit of work, so it's going to take three, four months to get it in a good shape in order to then move to your exit strategy. Yep. Then that's the ideal product to get because you're then treated kind of like a, you're not really a cash buyer as such, but you've you've got all the, the money up front that you can front in a project. Mm-hmm. Uh, the interest rates are calculated not annually, but monthly. So yep. it does does attract a bit of a premium in terms of what you're paying back. But like I say, it's to encourage short-term borrowing rather than languishing on it for years and whatever else. Uh, most bridging companies will have an exit worked out for you. So on completion of the project, they'll, they'll get revalued and it'll move you on to a mainstream product like uh, the mortgage works or... Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, the money, uh, the mortgage lender, or whatever HSBC. Uh, what else? Uh, Birmingham Midshires. Yep, Birmingham Midshires. Uh, Oldemore is another one, but Oldemore charges a blooming fortune. I think Paragon do a bit of it as well, don't they? Paragon as well. Um, uh, I, there is another couple of lenders that I've been bust yep. onto because over the years the other lenders have got to the market and sold on what I've got. Um, I'm not surprised because you know I've got deals on you know on bicolor mortgages which are base plus 0.99 for life, and oh, and yes. you know it's like <laughs> I and and it's how on earth could you actually make any money on that? That's from that goes way back to when I first started, and and it's like how how does anybody make money on that? But they're committed to it, and it's a lifetime for for 30 years, um, well, for the and and, I, and that's that's a, a great deal. Eh? Even now, banks aren't making great money on it. I mean, Tesco Bank, they ended up having to sell their whole loan book back to Lloyds. Yeah. Uh, and some of those other challenger uh, banks, they've had to sell their book, basically, because they don't make any money out of it whatsoever. Uh, yeah. One thing to bear in mind with bridging loans, though, as, is that they're not regulated by the FCA, mm-hmm. whereas your mainstream mortgage products are. They absolutely have to be compliant. That's where that's where a lot of lender, a lot of these guys that do bridging loans actually take advantage of that, don't they? Well, yeah, some do. Some some fees are abs- astronomical, you know. Uh, anytime there's any sort of site visit required with your valuer or, uh, you know, even the revaluation to move on to a mainstream product, they will charge for that. The, mm-hmm. like I say, the interest rate is generally higher because it's to encourage short-term borrowing as opposed to languishing on the product for a number of years. Yeah. And there's penalties if you overrun as well. So you have to be absolutely... Uh, crystal clear when you're expecting a project to complete and you have to work to that deadline. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm a big, I'm, I am actually warming towards bridging loans, although I don't need to use them. Um, <laughs> however, it is a classic when you see um, it's uh, the the interest rate's only six percent. Yeah. But 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 it is it is like what you say. It's no it's no this it's no a percentage over a year. It's, <laughs> it's not it's a percentage every month. Yes. yes. <laughs> so that's that's how they're getting you. So be careful of that and um, what they're saying because that you know you don't often because you're so used to seeing an annualized rate, you don't actually realize this is a monthly rate. 
Um, so just be careful with it. Susan actually asked a good question here. Um, when purchasing by select, what is the minimum yield before tax you would be targeting? Mm. There's a, there's I'm, a I'm, net, I'm net return of 15. I'm after a net return of 15. I think I'm net, let me think about this now. I think I'm in at least that ballpark figure, if not slightly more. I try not to go anywhere near anything that's going to be sub double digits, that's for sure. I said that I said that in front of Patrick Harvey, <laughs> <laughs> the, the minister for the renting cops, um, and uh, and someone uh, took umbrage of that, and I went, well, but what's wrong with that? I mean, is it is it is it wrong to make money? Is, is there a problem with that? It's like, but what happens when interest rates change and when occupancy rates drop and the market changes? I've got a lot of leeway to to play with and then i've got uh, other way other ways i've got a lot of money to reinvest and upgrading the properties for the tenants at the same time as well so i, I give myself huge margins to make sure I, I i can accommodate that i don't run out and buy a ferrari put it that way that's no that's no what that's designed to do it's designed to reinvest back in yeah yeah so uh, susan good question um i i typically target a net return of 15 percent, and i get upset if i don't uh, well, double digits We'll work through an example later on anyway, so uh, you, you'll get an idea. Yeah, and and we'll quickly, and Heather, uh, see you later, Heather. Thanks, um, and catch up on us with the rerun. Um, next, okay, let's talk about the next one, bridging loans. Uh, um, now, you're thinking about one for you, one for me. How do you talk about that then? Right, so one for you, one for me is... Uh, going in with another investor, it's a kind of loose uh, relationship. Again, yeah. Joint yep. venture. It is a joint venture of sorts, but uh, what will happen is one person or a, one person and a, a few others will assume the role of a, more or less a sourcer or a lead. So they find yeah. the opportunity and the other person or people may finance that opportunity. Uh, and again, once you get down to the refinance and stuff, the roles will be reversed. So yeah, I could find you a property, Jim, that, that would make perfect sense as far as figures and in three months' time, when we go to refinance that out, you would yep. then find one for me. Perfect. That's a really great idea. Um, that that's what people don't realise. It is about working together rather than working against each other. That's the only way you'll ever survive in the buy to let industry. Um, because if you if you if you try to do everything yourself, you'll never you'll never achieve or accomplish anything. Because you, you need a system to sustain it, and it and it, if it revolves around you. Guess what? You're no free anymore. You've got a job. You've effectively, because that's what happened with me. I, I effectively went out of my job in industry uh, as a financial controller, uh, and and I, and I had a job because then I was a, I was a buy to let landlord. I didn't. I was still managing all my own properties, so I went out of a job to get a job. Um, luckily, this job was only one and a half days a week for the same type of income, if not more. Um, but I realised that if I want to grow bigger, I'll have to create something in order to sustain that, and that's why the lettings division came about. Because I wanted to create something to sustain my buy to let and allow me to grow bigger, um, mm -hmm. so that's why I did that. Joint venture is the next one. So that's a more formalised sort of thing. So ideally, you want to have a contract in place with your yeah. joint venture partner. Um, in terms of contract, it should have a shotgun clause in it. What do I mean by mm -hmm. a shotgun clause? Well, in the event that there's a disagreement between the parties, say for example, the style of kitchen you're putting into a property was maybe five thousand more than the other. Uh, then the shotgun clause is there so that a third party can intervene and majority rules basically. 
the number of joint ventures that I see people going into and they can't agree and it ends up in uh, arguments, fisticuffs, whatever. Right. And then, then that's how I had it. And, and the reality is, again, I come back to saying what I just said before, you've got to learn to work with people. Absolutely. And, and, but the key is, even though it's your best pal, you really need to have something written down. Um, yeah. Because that this is when this does come up. You don't think it's ever going to come up. You're going to be best pals forever. But the reality is the shotgun clause actually is a great uh, way to solve things because a third party steps in and, and makes the overall decision. Um, so I think that's a really good way as well. Uh, angel investment. Um, uh, basically, so you know, aye, yes, you've, got, you've got people investing in, in what you're doing, haven't you? Yep. As I said uh, on the show notes, uh, angel investment is a holy grail when it comes to this sort of thing because there is a lot of money out there and we know that people are uh, getting badly treated really by banks because the banks are actually leveraging their money in order to supply mortgages to the likes of you and I, charge yeah. us small interest rates and off the back of that they get a small savings rates. So when we talk about angel investment... You're effectively cutting out the bank and just saying, come but, direct to me and I'll give you a better Cut out the bank, come direct to us. We don't deal with decimal places as an interest rate. We deal in whole numbers. Yeah. Yeah. So for, say for example, I was to get... So typically, typically on average, typically on average, we're looking at, and, and I'll give you an average because we don't want to discuss full details because you don't want to really pin your colours to the mast and then not be able to do that because certain deals don't work properly. Absolutely. So a classic example of that is you maybe to get a five percent guaranteed return and possibly a share of the investment as well uh, and a split share. Well, it's possible to do it that way, but that would be more sort of conducive to joint ventures. But yeah, you could do yeah. it that way. You could have a, a share of uh, whatever revenue is produced and obviously a, a fixed rate percentage on the return on investment. Or it's like what you said, the angel investor can just get a fixed rate to return on investment, that's it, and they'll get a return on investment, that's Absolutely. It, a set period of time. Um, Absolutely. But they don't have any obligation or ownership of the property or any obligation. They're not a landlord. Um, They're not a landlord, no. Effectively, in, in the in the corporate world, it's like a debenture holder. Or a silent partner sort of thing. You know, they do, yeah. don't take anything to do with the day-to-day -day running, the project management, the collection of rent, the problem tenants, or anything like that. They're totally hands-off. The money's working for them. On the anniversary of the loan, the the gain is paid back, uh, or if it's a short-term, a year, they'll get the capital and the gain. Or... Yeah. If it's for any longer period of time, they can actually compound it. So, you know, for say for example, twenty thousand pound this year, and we were given away sort of I don't know, say ten percent if we were crazy. Uh, so it would be twenty two grand next year. Well, they can actually reinvest that into the following year, and in the mm -hmm. following year, you, you know what compound interest is like. They can compound it up. Eh? I mean, you know, if you if you're a if you're I think it's if you're a ten percent return within seven years, you've doubled your money. Well, there you go. Why would you? <laughs> you know, it's like, I. why would you not do that do you, then? Do you do that or do you keep it in Lloyd's and get 0.2%? Aye, aye. What do you do? If you get a 10% return, you can, you can compound it, you're, you're minted. Um, and that makes absolute sense. So do you think even a 5% return is a really good return? It means you double your money over 10 to 15 years uh, in terms of the return as well. So it's 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 a really good way to do it. Just give us a thumbs up, everybody, if you're, if you're still with us, if you understand what we're talking about. Um, James, we're not going to be able to do your um, property. We're going to talk about it next week then. Um, That's all right. We've still got a couple of other things to talk about. Um, we're going to talk about um, some of the things I had down. Uh, there's, also, there's actually lease options as well. 
there's not the, in Scotland. The, the, yeah, but but no, technically you can you can sneak something in. Like <laughs> so yeah. what what I'm saying is um, rent rent to rent. So in other words, you rent somebody else's house to rent to someone else. Yeah, that so that's slightly different. That's slightly yeah. different tele option. Yeah, yeah I, I know. That's I, I tend to call them that that prospect. The, the, it's called rent to rent, but effectively what you're doing is you're renting. Somebody else has got the loan and everything like that, but you're renting off of them for a guaranteed amount, regardless, come hell or yeah. high water, and yeah. then you're taking it away and actually renting it to someone else at a higher rate, but then you take all the risk. One very quick thing that you mentioned about rent to rent is there's this sort of grey area that people say, well, you're not breaching your mortgage terms and conditions. If you do it right, then no, because yeah. you would have a management agreement in place rather than a, like a tenancy agreement. And that's how you keep on the right side of the mortgage companies. It's a management yeah. agreement. One of the other ones I had in there was rent to own. Mm-hmm. That's gaining popularity, but why yeah. would you want to give away an asset if you're renting it to a tenant? I know, but you'd be surprised how much money you can actually make out of that because most tenants end up not buying. So all they get is the top up back. No, they don't. <laughs> they don't get the top up back. <laughs> the, I've 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 seen this done. I've never done it. You know the reality is, but I've seen it done where yeah. people have actually done that. They've no, you know, you don't get the top up back because you had guaranteed to give them at a certain rate. In other words, you're guaranteed to give them at a certain purchase price there and then in the future. But they would have to pay an extra to do that. So then their option was in the future. They, so in other words, they're getting the uplift and they're they're getting all the benefits of the uplift if there is one. But they obviously have to take the downfall as well. And if they don't if they don't exercise the option, then the landlord still gets his his cut because, right, okay. because so I've, I've seen it working. Because they're, like, get, they're, getting, they're getting all the, they're the, if it doesn't work like that, then they're getting all the benefit, and then yeah. they've got no risk. Yeah, I've seen it working in a slightly different way, but uh, yeah. Um, so we talk, um, crowdfunding's a good one. So you know, we're, we're I'm moving into that where I'm going to have a fund. So that's the crowdfunding route, sort of, yeah. where you do that. Now there is well, like a sort of peer to peer sort of situation. Yeah, there's crowdfunding people that actually do this um, already. There's the, you know you go on, but you don't know who they are and what they're doing. Um, exactly. Cover bridging loans, um, source and sell ons, another way to make money. Yep. You know, it's like what you said. You do one, I do one. You do one, I do one. But you also have um, if I if I source one and then it's no up for it's no up it's no mine, then you can still make money with that, and that'll actually provide money if you do enough of them to provide for the deposit for yep. for one you want to buy yourself. Yeah, you have to be aware of compliance when you're sourcing, though. There's, yep. a, there's a, a lot of hoops to jump through before you can yeah. actually go out and source property for people. Um, the other one is um, friends and family. Yep. It's another good source. Friends and family invest in what you're doing. Um, the no money down. We talked about joint venture, 50-50. That's a yep. really good one. Uh, and we talked about equ equ equity release. Um, we'd also, you can see... If you're at an age like mine, you could actually do an equity. You can actually do an equity release mortgage, where you'd actually get equity out, and it's on the house, but you only pay the interest every single year on the mortgage itself. So it is actually a form of interest-only mortgage on your own home, rather than actually having to take out a mortgage which you have to pay back. Um, so that's actually a nice, easy way if you get a really good rate because you're an older person. And then that could allow you to then reinvest with an interest-only mortgage and they can offset it. Um, there's also, well, you could buy direct. You could obviously refurbish, then refinance, which we talked about, and we've got flip for profit as well. 
flip for profit. Yep. It makes absolute sense to flip for profit. You get the profit. You alleviate your capital gains position. If you're joint, you're married, you and your wife, um, and you cut it between yourselves, uh, then you've got almost a £25,000 um, profit allowance. Um, so that's another way. So then that £25,000 allowance and the flip that you've done, if you make 25000 you pay no tax on that, and you can then reinvest the 25000 and actually buy another property with that's a right. deposit and, and do the same again. So you can build from that point as well. Um, so that's kind of where I am with things. Um, and you've got your last one, which is SAS. Let's talk. You've got three minutes to talk about SAS. Right. SAS is one of these com complex products. Yep. So with SAS, SAS is an immensely powerful tool. It's basically similar to a pension, but this is a, a small self-administered scheme. So it's kind of like a SIP in a, in a lot of ways, but there's quite a lot of flexibility. So traditionally with a private pension, you have to be 55 going to 57 to be able to draw that money. Yeah. But you can set up what's called a SAS and transfer the, the fund value basically into that product. Now, with a SaaS, you can use it to invest in commercial property or mixed use, you know, a shop on the lower level and convert two flats above, for example. Um, you can loan money to your limited company, mm -hmm. but there is limits. Obviously, you can only lend money to your limited company at 50%. So, effectively, uh, I could take out my pension Yep. and have a SaaS. I could move it yes. to a SaaS. And then I could, use, I could use... I could loan, uh, when you say loan to limited, limited companies, 50% maximum, 50% maximum of what? Off the pot. So if you come across with a... Say, okay, say, so if I've got 100,000, I can I could loan 50,000 of that to the limited 50, company. 50,000 out, yeah. yeah. And there's now, no tax implications on that. That's just a loan from the SaaS. That is a loan. Yeah. But the beauty behind this is that it gives you sort of, sort of some sort of seed funding so that you can use it for you know buying another property or whatever. Perfect. Uh, it attracts a rate of interest that must be 1% above base at bare minimum, but you can have it up to 10, 15, whatever. Don't go too nuts with it because it'll flag it in HMRC and you'll get whatever treatment you, you get. But right. uh, Maximum duration is five years? Five years, yep. And okay. it must be secured on a, a first charge basis with whatever you buy with that money. So, for example, yeah. you buy a, blo a block of flats, then you would secure it with a first charge. Which is an issue for banks. So you can you can possibly use it because banks won't allow anybody else to take a first charge over and above, um, over their exactly. level. Uh, exactly. But, so it, it would clash with banks on that occasion, but if you want to use it as a way of using your pension pot to fund your development, plus you put 50% into your own money, then it's another absolutely. way. It's a really good way of doing it because absolutely. your pension fund is not going to make as much anyway. Well, not at the moment, certainly. Uh, yeah. Well, look at it this way. Um, UK equities, for example. UK equities has gone up to 7,400 and out, but it's only ever been 7,700 at its highest rate in terms of the stock market, in terms of the FTSE 100. Yeah. And, and that goes back to about 10 or 15 years. So how's that making a return for anybody if it's only going up to that point and you've invested all that since then? Um, you've only been getting 4.1% in terms of dividends for the top 100, so that would be the difference as well. And what period of time was that, Jim, you said? Uh, I think it's over the last 10 years it's done that. Right. The so last how, many properties, how many properties can you have bought and turned around in 10 exactly. years? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and I think I think that's it. So Assassin's is another one. Uh, and and, and that's, that's basically us, James. We're, yep. we're out of time. Um, I kind of believe we're out of time already. 
Um, Susan, we will uh, cover that uh, question when we go off air. Um, we'll just jump into the comments and actually respond back to you. Um, but that's us, guys. We're on an hour. Um, tune in next week. If you're a customer, um, then you'll get your Thursday invite. Watch out for that in your email. Check your junk folder. Um, otherwise, we'll see you next Monday at 6.30. Bye-bye for now. Have a good week, everyone.